resilience relates to those environments or your past rejections and resilience to being able to deal with those situations? Yeah, I, man, I, I think that I've been kicked out of leagues and things like that just because I'm I'm uh, I'm a different basketball player. You know, I like to talk. And so it's one of those <laughs> things like I know where you're coming from. I know what's going on, you know, but we've got to. We've got to take control here. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey, what's up? And welcome into Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder of First Class Business. I'm super excited to bring on Sean Rutledge today. Sean is a former professional basketball player who also has is working on his PhD from Concordia, Chicago, and has five plus years of experience working in the sports management field. And he's had to overcome a number of obstacles in life. Um, and uh, his resilience is awesome. His commitment to excellence is awesome. Um, and so from overcoming different levels of rejection that he's been through to understanding how to operate systems from the final fours and what he did to help out um, with managing a final fours experience to uh, working and running a uh, sports complex of of some type in Austin that hosts basketball tournaments. Um, they get fairly competitive. If any of you have children um, that are in the competitive sports world, you know how difficult uh, parents can be. As a parent, I know how difficult I can be um, when it's my kid competing. Um, so he has to deal with that and gets to deal with that on a regular basis. So uh, we're going to bring him on and, and talk about that experience and how it relates to entrepreneurship as well and, and following your vision and what his future visions are. So without further ado, Sean, welcome to Vision Pros Live, man. Hey, it's really good to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So another thing for you guys, uh, Sean and I got to talk for about an hour um, before, not just in our, our pre-show, we've got a couple of conversations and uh, I have a special interest in what he does because I love sports, whether you love the Lakers or not. Um, you know, I am San Antonio spurred too. Uh, so I don't want to get in trouble for, for what I just did there, but I love basketball and sports in, in general. I never made it to the professional level. Uh, walk us through that, Sean. Like, where'd you start? Where'd you go through? What was that experience like? And how tall are you? Oh, oh that's the hard question right there. So, uh, <laughs> it is. so, so, you know, I, I started basketball over in uh, Cottonwood, Arizona, little, little podunk place out in Arizona. And, um, it's in between Sedona and, and Flagstaff. So I'm out there in the mountains and everything. There's there's really nothing for the sports world. It's just kind of hanging out. But uh, I played high school out there. And then uh, while coaching, actually, one of the one of the recruiters from Michigan, from a, a D3 up in Michigan, asked me if I had any point guards just on an off chance. And I was like, yeah, of course I got one. And, uh, and I kind of talked myself up a little bit and got the opportunity to go play up there for a year and then moved on to bigger and better things. Um, I tried out for the the D League then, which is the G League now. I uh, tried out for them for the San Antonio Spurs, the Austin Toros, back when they were the Toros yeah. and not the Spurs. And uh, figured out that uh, nobody wants to take the 5'8 white guy and pay a bunch of money to go watch him play basketball. So that, <laughs> didn't, that didn't work out. But I, I was given the opportunity to go overseas. And I got to play in Spain for four years, four different seasons, I guess, technically, um, for an academy over there. So we took a bunch of... Uh, American players put them over in in Spain, and we played against a bunch of pro teams over there. 
And I was, uh, thankfully, I didn't have to pay to do it. A lot of the other players had to pay to get there, but um, I was paid for it because I was also a trainer at the same time. So I would be in charge of making all the other players get to the spot where we needed them to be, know our offenses and defenses and how to look good in front of scouts and other people, just kind of hoping that, you know, my play would uh, would excite somebody so that they might pick me up instead of uh, instead of all the players they were actually there to see. That's so awesome, man. I, I don't know if uh, there, anybody who's not in the sports world, you may not know how hard that is um, and, and how much of a job and work that is to compete in really one of the most sought after jobs that exists where you, there's so few people who get in. Bill Russell, right, was a player coach. He coached while he played. Modern society may not remember anything about that, but to not only play the game um, and exhaust yourself on that, but to be there emotionally for the team and also emotionally demanding on that team. That's, that's a lot of uphill battles. And if you know anything about basketball players, five, eight, are you know, five, eight is here. And <laughs> the, you know, most basketball players, you know, are much, much, much taller. So to be able to compete competitively and at a professional level against people, while they've got arms that are taller than you and longer than you, they've got, um, you know, ability to jump usually higher too. that alone, um, is quite the feat. So, um, you know, where did you get your drive from and how can people that want to develop more of a drive and determination, diligence, resilience, all that, what can they do in general? Yeah, you know, I think mine really started from being little my whole life. Um, I, I think that just people constantly telling me you're never going to make I picked up a basketball when I was four years old and just never put it down. I, I didn't care what it was. I was playing against six and seven year olds when I was five i was i was just boys and girls clubs playing i was playing in leagues outdoor leagues indoor leagues playing at 12 years old against grown men you know stuff like that and it, and it turned into just failing over and over and over and and that's kind of what created the monster that is today where i'm not scared of failing i'm I actually embrace it and say, hey, this is a great opportunity to continue to get better. This is a great opportunity to figure out who you are because it, it's, you know, uh, it's not how many times you get knocked up, but knocked down, but it's how many times you get back up and, and what that looks like getting back up. Some people get back up and say, well, the world is against me or they say that, you know, I, it's just not my day. It's just not my time. But there's also other people mm -hmm. out there that create their day, that create their time because I'm tired of waiting and I'm tired of, you know, getting knocked down. So. I think sports is a great way to do that. And, that, and that's what's really pushed me into this uh, this field, these these jobs that I continue to do. I want to change everybody's uh, everybody's life in, in the best way that I can for growing up and, and creating their own space to succeed. That's awesome. So resilience, rejection, uh, these virtues we're talking about. Uh, beyond that, this uh, audience of entrepreneurs, people are looking to also express, find their own visions. My question for you, who should be listening to you about this? Why should they listen to you? And what are they going to get out of today's show, do you think? You know, I, I think that, and, and I saw this, this is weird, because right after we had talked the first time, a couple weeks back, uh, I had saw on LinkedIn, of all places, someone was holding up a sign, and their whole, their whole argument was that, that a lot of entrepreneurs or any business relation, um, the leadership hires resumes, right? That, and, and I understand that they get many, many resumes for every job opening, but instead of hiring resumes, sometimes you really got to look at the attitude, the personality, um, who those people are, even though you're just looking at a piece of paper. I think the biggest thing that your audience can get out today is, is just that, is that there's sometimes there are people 
that aren't as qualified maybe, but have a better story behind them. They have those personalities and those attitudes that they just continue to, to go no matter what. I love that. So uh, what I would take away from that is if you're, if you understand that the virtues are what drive the progress, right? If, if that's what you understand, then Sean, somebody you can learn from um, on this. And he's, he's basing his career, his future off of principles of wisdom that will move him forward, not just a title, um, you know, or having been in a particular position. So well said, man. Um, with that said, what's your vision, Sean? I, my biggest thing that I want to do is create for someone else that might be undersized, underdeveloped, under something, right? Somebody who's looked past someone else and, and that person feels like, you know what? It isn't, it isn't my day. It isn't my time. This isn't my life. This isn't my year. This isn't what I want to do. I want to be some kind of success story and continue to grow and, and be as passionate about sports as I am and just continue to, to, create my space so that someday someone else can look at me and say, that guy really made it doing absolutely nothing but gritting his teeth and just continuing to go. Hmm. Awesome. And uh, so normally I would ask, what's your vision for your clients? Um, but and we're going to change the question a little bit. What's your vision for those that you serve? I think it's, it's, it's leading by example. I think that's the biggest thing that I can do for the, the players that watch me when I train them, the, the players that I coach sometimes, um, I, I kind of stepped away from the coaching role and moved more into the management role and the, and the leadership role. But, uh, but whenever I, I can get in front of kids and I can get in front of them and say, Hey, look, this was my story. This is what I've done. This is, this is where I've gone. You can do this too. It's, it's real, it, it's tough to, to look at someone who's say six, eight or seven foot or something like that. And he goes, you know, it took a lot of work to get to where I'm going, but realistically you're seven foot tall. You were probably going to play a professional <laughs> sport somewhere. Right. Yeah. But it, but it's a lot easier and, and, and I can adapt and talk to these kids a lot more on a level, you know, on, on a better basis of, Hey, I am this guy. I'm your average human being who is average size. I may be a little more muscular than you are right now, but this is how you get the muscle. This is how you get that skill. This is what that hard work looks like. And, and those sorts of things, I can level with those kids. And and uh, a great stat is roughly 10% of athletes will make it to college. So you're talking about high school athletes, roughly 10% will make it to college. And then roughly out of that, the top 1% will play pro anything, right? So the things that you're teaching these kids don't necessarily have to do with the sport that they're playing right now. I can teach you how to get there. This is what that looks like. Are you willing to put in this work? Well, if you're not willing to put in that work, then this is what it looks like to just be a successful human being. And and I think that's my biggest vision is to show these people what to do after, after sports are done with, after you get to be a, in a men's league instead, or, you know, YMCA leagues or stuff like that, where you don't necessarily, your, your sport is not your career anymore, how to just be a successful human being. I love that. Okay. So a uh, vision came to mind and I was like, man, um, you would probably have one of the most viewed because you're dynamic and you know how to talk about what you're talking about. If you and Victor Wembanyama did a combined <laughs> Ted talk, it would probably be the most viewed tech talk of all time. Would you it be would, up for it? <laughs> it would definitely be funny. Of course I'd be up for it, but that would be the funniest thing. Cause you know, I, you don't know Victor's seven, six, right? So he's, yeah, he's like yeah, two right. feet taller than you. Um, and you guys could talk about adversity and resilience from different angles. That would be so cool. 
from from what I've heard though, Victor is one of those kids that didn't take anything from anybody. He's super skinny, and everybody told him he wasn't gonna do a whole lot because he was so little. And man, I've uh, I've read a whole lot about this kid, and I'm not saying that he's gonna be the greatest thing or not the greatest thing in the world. That's sure. that's completely up to him. But every day, I I think that his his role and what he's done and everybody who's Maybe not doubted him. I mean, you're seven six, probably not getting <laughs> doubted very much. But the people that have talked down to him, I definitely think uh, he's he's about to show some people and make some people very sad. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think that's. I mean, we live in a world where it's just so it's so much easier to doubt than to believe, um, right? And it's so much easier to, to take that route of of looking at things from a negative perspective. But um, you know, it's there's almost no victory. Um, and, and doing that, I, I can't see one anyway on my side. So yeah. glad you shared that. Um, so yeah, if you're not knowing who we're talking about, uh, dive in, look, I mean, feel free to put Victor Omanyama, something in the comments, um, maybe a link to his profile and perhaps even a picture, um, you know, of, of a height difference between Victor and somebody else, um, in the NBA or a normal person, uh, yeah. fun stuff to see. So, all right, Sean, um, let's talk about powerful lessons. Um, what's a powerful lesson? Uh, the other visionaries can learn from your experience. I think this was actually, this is probably my favorite story. And I will always tell this story. Uh, so I went into my senior year of high school tryouts and I got to do the Michael Jordan effect. Um, it didn't feel so good then, but it feels great now. Right. Uh, I went in my senior year and I was super cocky and thought I was all that and all these sorts of things. It's my senior year. It's going to be my year and whatnot. And I ended up getting in a fist fight with a guy at half court and got kicked off the team. Coach told me, we just would rather have a two-year team. I don't think you're going to mesh with the, the juniors that are here. You're not playing. So that hurt me more than probably anything on the planet, being a guy, like I said, who's played his whole life, you know? Yeah, that I was your know, dream. I didn't know what to do at that point, you know? I was, a, I was a senior. I hadn't got a ton of play varsity ball anyway. Uh, me and my head coach just kind of butted heads for a few years. We didn't necessarily see eye to eye. I was playing more in in men's leagues than i was in school ball mm -hmm. I, I i took that road way less traveled right and uh and so I, from that from that i, I just I, I learned so much from everybody i was in contact with so i might have been a 17 year old kid or an 18 year old kid but i think the lesson was just like the community that you're around creates so much for you in the way that I was around at 17 years old. I was around doctors. I was around lawyers. I was around, you know, all those guys that continue to play sports after, mm. after high school. Right. So I was around super successful people and all those people would look almost like I was a little brother to them. So creating a yep. community and, and putting in, you know, I put in so much for them as far as basketball goes, I was, up and down the floor a lot, scoring a lot of points for them, you know, being their little spark plug. And in return, they taught me almost every life lesson I carry today. It was it was them wow. teaching me how to be humble, how to be loyal to my teammates, how to stick up for people, how to pick somebody up off the floor, how to make the right pass opposed to shooting every single shot. This guy might get mad if you don't get him enough shots or or you know, stuff like that. And it's all it's all sports related. But once you take it out of the sport and, and put it into your real life and, and then you could kind of in a leadership role that we're in now and, and most of your the people watching are, are entrepreneurs. So they're in the higher ups anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, of a business. 
just looking at things from someone else's point of view and being able to put yourself in their shoes instead of stepping on their shoes and saying, your shoes aren't good enough for me because I'm this high up. Being able to put yourself in those shoes just by having that community and gaining each other's respect and, and that it's such a powerful thing. I love that. Coach Reed Maltby was on a couple of weeks ago um, and okay. he talked about, uh, I don't remember the term he used, but he talked about getting out of your silo, um, you know, and, and getting out Absolutely. of, uh, you know, going and talking to people who don't think the same way as you, um, you know, and, and are on different levels and how important that is. Um, and so here you were in high school um, and Gary Vaynerchuk, I love that he talks about this. He talks about <clears throat> how the, you know, this is an old concept, but the five people are what you surround yourself with. Um, you know, like they're going to have a tremendous impact on you and your life and where you're going. So you could have been stuck in that high school environment where you're being influenced by, I don't know, uh, kids that weren't necessarily doing as, as well in life. and didn't have that trajectory, a coach who didn't sound like he really had your best interests in mind either. Um, didn't know how to nurture you, didn't know how to mentor you. Now you end up in a, in a league of men where they've got some wisdom behind them. And they probably wanted to see you go on and, and become your best self. It'd be really helpful to get uh, to get wisdom and, and make friends with those who are older, even though it might look weird, like, oh, well, why is a 25-year-old have a bunch of 35-year-old friends? You know, right. like because a 25-year-old wants to wants to get ahead of life um, mm -hmm. and make sure he has better outcomes. So well said. There's uh there's a so there's a method that I picked up from I did a a uh, certificate with sports management worldwide. And I did their basketball gym and scouting certificate. One of the biggest things I picked up from them was the 555 method. So, and we're talking about businesses at this point. So, for them, it's just a sports team, right? But the 555 method was that you always wanted to have a third of your people. Your team roster is 15 in basketball. Sorry. Uh, okay, but there you go. Got so your <laughs> your five, your first five will be your guys that were like me in this scenario. The guys that were up and coming, the rookies, their sophomores, their guys that are trying to make it in the league. They're trying to make themselves feel like they need to be needed, right? They need to be wanted. Mm -hmm. They need to realize that they belong there. And you have your five players that are playing for their contracts. And those are those guys that are mid-level. They're they're good enough to be maybe a six man or a starter now, or, you know, just trying to get into the all-star game, something like that, something where they're, they're chasing their money, right? They have and a motivation. Have, <laughs> right. And then you have your five people that are chasing championships. And those five people are your vets. Those guys that are teaching you what it looks like to win, what it looks like, what do we have to do to get over the hump? What do we have to do to win an NBA championship? What do we have to do to win seven games or to win four games in a seven game series? Those sorts of things. Right. And so mm -hmm. I think if you take, if you take that out of basketball and you put it into a real community and, and you think about who you're surrounding yourself with and, and who you're taking advice from, you always got to have that real fiery guy. You got to have that guy who's just ready to go all the time. Right. And then you've always got to have that, that guy who's been there for a little while, that guy who knows the ins and outs and, and he's kind of weaving his way in and out of his career. And then, and then you have your vets. And I, and I think that was one of the biggest things I picked up. And I use that to this day when I talk about my coaching staffs or I talk about my trainers and, uh, and we'll put together basketball camps or we'll put together basketball training stuff. We'll put together even tournaments. I, I try to do that same sort of method. That's awesome. Huge. If you're not taking notes, I highly recommend taking notes, <laughs> rewinding a little bit, um, hearing what Sean laid out there as an opportunity. Uh, the sports world is one of the highest income producing uh, industries that exists. And so if you even if you look at sports outside of the scope of, oh, yeah, these, these people play with the ball. But if you start looking at it from a business standpoint, 
They're also one of the most transparent business models that exist. You get to see their win-loss records. Uh, you get to see what contracts they sign and don't sign. You get to see what players they reject. You get to see what they say in post-game interviews. You get to see how they're preparing um, and what they're up to. You get to see how they lead each other, talk to each other. Um, you know, you got Pavarazzi's following them around, showing you how they live. There's so much you can learn from diving into the sports world and modeling what you see and saying, how does this apply to my business? What I was, what I'm doing with growth. And it's one of the reasons why um, I'm just grateful that I'm, I'm so in love with the game, um, you know, and, and what I can learn from the game and the operations, the teams behind it, uh, switching gears almost completely. Um, first off, thank you for your service. Um, oh, absolutely. Second, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your service experience um, and some of the lessons you learned um, in the service to your country? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so I was an 11 Charlie, which means I was a mortarman. Uh, I was an airborne guy. So I jumped out of airplanes and helicopters and all that sort of thing while I was at it. I thought I was super indestructible there for a while. And um, yeah. this was after all of my basketball stuff. So I, I didn't go okay. in until I was 25, right? Yeah. Well, what I, motivated I did. you to go in? So my mother was in for 23 years okay. and my father was in for eight. So it was one of those things like I did everything I could not to go into the military. Ah. Then when I had nothing left and I was like, all right, I'm kind of winding down from basketball stuff. I'm not getting what I think I'm going to get out of this or what I thought I was going to get when I originally started. What's next? And I just I fit right. I've, I've been around it my whole life and I fit right into it. Went into the military and um, I competed for um, special forces contracts in basic and things like that. I mean, I was, I was one of the top level people there and that was all great and dandy, but, um, I think from them, uh, once, once I kind of went through all my special trainings, um, Ranger qualified, all that sort of things, uh, I went to my unit and, and I think the biggest thing that, that I picked up out of that and, and that I learned out of that was that these guys, I think when we're talking about circles, these guys are some of the best in the world at that, right? They realize um, once you go down range, nobody's going to look out for you except for the three people around you, the four people around you, right? Squad size. The guys that are standing right next to you, um, those guys are really the only ones that care. And mm -hmm. that's why I've never used – well, I can't say never. Since I've been out of the Army, I don't use social media. I don't mm – -hmm. and, I, and I understand this kind of – this hurts some people as far as – networking and whatnot but for the most part you don't use social media so you don't have that negativity you don't necessarily deal with all the headlines and all that sort of thing you know you you really embrace that circle that you have around you and, and it makes you um, indestructible is the best thing i can come up with it, it, it really does it you bring the right people around you you find the right friends and and they just you know skyrocket you i i met uh her name's sharon she just opened up a place called field experience and she's the one that got me the final four uh, opportunity. I got an internship for the men's final four this year. Um, it's awesome. Down in, down in Houston. And she just, she's been part of my inner circle now where she's always pushing and shoving and trying to make me meet new people and, and teaching me different things about, you know, she was, uh, she's been to, I think she's home 27 Super Bowls or something like that. Just doing the same thing. Wow. She's in, sports event management world right and so when you get those sorts of people around you much like i did when i was in high school people that were older than me people that were further along than me i'm still stuck in that rookie sophomore stage of this whole event management part where i have these veterans that are just 
overly telling me all the time, hey, this is what you got to do. This is who you got to meet. These are the people that you have to impress. You've got to be on your feet for 16 hours and the military helps with all of that tremendously, right? You're yep. doing stuff all the time and there is no quit. There's no stop. There's no pause button. It's my weekend off. Like that doesn't happen in the military. <laughs> so whenever you, when, when you get out, the whole world is really easy. There's, there's not much to it. You're not getting shot at anymore. You're not getting nothing blown up. You're not none of that. So it's, it's easy. You don't have to jump out of airplanes no more. Although I would still wish I could do that. But, um, yeah. you know, some of those things there's, there's wishes and hopes that I could go blow stuff up and, but it, it's that yeah. circle. It's still that circular motion constantly. It's, it's all about who you put next to you and how they can affect you and how you can affect them. Don't, don't get me wrong. This isn't all a singular motion thing where, you just have to get people around you who think you're going to be the greatest thing of all time. You know, you've got to help other people the exact same way. And and that means you must get better every single day, every single day. You must be better than you were yesterday so that you can affect the four or five people that are around you so that they can get better every day. So then they can in turn get you better every day. And and that's just how it works. That's a uh, virtuous cycle um, at play and, uh, and taking it to new levels by having, couple of, of comrades, a couple of friends, a couple of accountability partners um, who are there to, to help make sure that, that, what do they say? Iron sharpens iron. So I don't know why I couldn't say that. Iron sharpens iron. It's not a tongue twister, Jackson. Um, all right. So, um, all right, cool. So we went through some of that experience that you had. Um, you also had something else you had to back, you had to bounce back from um, while you're in the I military. Did. Um, you know, what happened if you don't, do you want to talk about that or do you want to skip yeah. to another lesson? There's plenty no. of opportunity. There's plenty of wisdom to draw from you. So go ahead, man. No. Let's hear it. What happened in the military? So I was on a jump. Um, I was on a jump in 2017, 18, 18. And, um, I had a mortar strapped to my side. We were just doing a field exercise out in North Carolina and, um, I jumped off and pulled, uh, pulled my string to try to make my mortar hit the ground before I did. It normally hits the ground about two to 300 feet before you do so that you don't get hurt or anything. It never came off. And, um, and so when I hit the ground, it hit the ground, it came up and hit me in the shoulder pocket and just bent me completely backwards. And now I've got some metal in my spine and I've got some pretty bad nerve damage down my left side, but, uh, I was in, I was in a wheelchair for two years, almost two and a half years, uh, where my left leg wouldn't move at all. It was just kind of locked at the knee and, and I've, I got here after I, I got out. So I got here's Austin, right? I got to Texas and was like, well, we've got two options here. I can either figure out how to live with family for the rest of my life and be dependent on someone else or B, I can figure out how to do something about this. And uh, I went to the gym and I, there's a, there's a gym down in, down in Hutto, Texas, that was really small. And they gave me a 24 hour pass. I don't, I was the only person that had it, but like I had a little key tag to get in. And so I would go at like one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. Cause I was super, you know, uh, I, I didn't feel good about working out in front of people and they just let me go in and they would, um, I passed out from the pain a, a lot, a lot of times they had to come in and wake me up. And I was just like stuck underneath weight or something where I was just stuck for the middle of the night. Cause I'd passed out with pain hurt so bad trying to wow. get back. But, but I'm here now, you know, I'm in a men's league now and I can play basketball again, maybe not a, anywhere near the level I could, but I, you know, couple years out of it and and we're we're okay now dude that's huge uh, i feel i feel like i should allow this to inspire myself 
so much because I had a back surgery. Um, and I've, I've been playing, uh, not like a coward, but so small in relation to what you just talked about. Um, you know, and part of it's the fear that is this pain setting me back further, right? Part of it's like, is this pain a good thing that's contributing or is this pain something that is destroying me? Um, and am I going to die because of this, right? That's the exaggeration side of fear taking over. Um, how'd you overcome that as you went through that process? So I had the same exact idea that you just said, right? I, th I thought, well, there's metal in my spine. Does that mean if I lift too much weight or if I move the wrong way, I'm going to bend the metal and hurt myself worse, right? So I did research. So I, I figured it out. I, I, I did the research and said, how, how strong is this metal? How does this metal work? Is there this? Is there that? Whatever it was, whatever whatever I had fear of, I just started trying to find information. If there wasn't any information, I created it. I created it through myself and said, you know what, you, you know, we're going to die like this. And, and I think that scared me more than anything. Like I'm going to die in a chair with someone pushing me around. I'm not doing this. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what it takes. If I die on this path to getting back, it's probably better than me sitting like a vegetable in a chair. That, I mean, that, and that's, that's what it comes down to. I, it really does, um, you know, and and that's what's uh, it's it can be hard too because you have social you have social pressures to protect yourself, um, right, or to protect you, right? Uh, it could be a sibling or friend that's like, no, don't do that, Sean. Um, you know, no, Jackson, like you're gonna hurt yourself further. Um, you know, people want to put us in a box and keep us safe, um, and we can allow ourselves to get into that box if we listen to that. Go ahead, Sean. What's up? We what got. Said, but but that's but that's certain people's circles, right? I brought my circle around whenever I was working out. And my circle consisted of people that were also, for for example, uh, there was a E6 in my inner circle at that time that had one leg. He got mm -hmm. blown up in Iraq. Um, there was another guy in my circle that was 100% disabled and he had some bad mental triggers, some really bad mental triggers. And so every time I looked at my circle, I was like, I got it easy, man. I got, I got both legs and both arms. They may not work yet, but I have them, which means I have the ability to try to make them work. These guys wow. don't have that. And so that, and, and that's like, that's the way it goes though. That's the evolution of your circle. And so I, we might be a little bit off topic here, but I'm just no, to try to, to try to get back to the community to some, to some extent that's, there's people in your life that will do great things for you. And you have to know who they are and what they should be doing for you, right? And what you can do for them. So yeah. those two guys that I just talked about, we haven't talked in years. But that's what we were there for each other for that mm -hmm. certain amount of time. We were there for each other. And I helped them through things. They helped me through things. And then once we got through those things together, we're like, okay, now this is your new circle. This is my new circle. This is what we need right. to do over and over and over. And that's the evolution of, of being a person, right? The being successful. It is. Well, being successful. There you go. Um, because success doesn't come without that possibility and ability to pivot. Um, it's very rare. Um, and now there's certain people in your, there's certain circles you may not want to replace in life. Um, you know, you may want to make sure are permanent, um, you know, a, a nuclear family, for instance, um, being one that, um, you know, I wish mine had been permanent, um, you know, uh, both times um, when I tried to create that, I wanted that, um, you know, and so, if you have that, you know, we're not, Sean's not saying go away, um, you know, go find a new circle no. quick. Um, but you have different circles for different purposes, um, right? A different influence of five, perhaps for your spiritual life. 
than a different circle of five for your health life um, and physical education life, um, you know, whatever you want to call that. Um, so yeah, dude, way to, way to throw down on that. And um, yeah, I need to, I need to make sure that I'm not making an excuse, finding a circle for my health as well, because we're also better business owners, um, you know, when we're Absolutely. taking care of ourselves, um, you know, and, and have that, that full confidence of I'm doing all the things right for my health, temporal, spiritual, mental, physical. So yeah, appreciate that. If you're not, if you're not finding value in that, then this is the wrong podcast for you, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm sure you are. So Sean, um, you know, why do you care? Um, why do you care about others? Ah, my, because nobody cared about me. And that, that sounds like, oh, woe is me. I get it. Everybody says that whenever they're down and out, right? I, I hear it a lot. Nobody cares about me. The difference was I decided to go do something about it. Therefore, want to make it easier for anyone and everyone after me that is anywhere near what I did. And, and there's a million people out there that will say, you don't understand me. You don't get where I'm coming from. But the realism of it is, is there's billions of people on this planet I can promise you if you throw a rock, you're going to find 12 people that know what you're going through. It may not be uh, exact, but there are definitely people that sure. are out there. And, and and that's what makes me care so bad is that I can find people like me. And it may not be specific and it may not be perfect just like me, but I can find people that are going through rough stages where people are maybe doubting them or people are experiencing some kind of, hey, man, I don't know where to go from here. And then I can I can help them in whatever way possible, whether that be, you know, on, on that coach level of, Hey, just get up. We got to go do this. Or whether that be on a, on a more tender level of, of, you know, mm -hmm. let's talk about why this is not working for you. So you can find out your solution. And, nice. And I, I want to dive in with a little bit of context on that. So mm -hmm. um, when you said nobody cared about you, um, do you, what, what about parents? Um, you know, do you have good parents, uh, parents that were aloof or, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that my parents are horrible people or they didn't care about me, anything like that. My mother was a single mother trying to do the best she could to make a great living for us. She was in, you know, the military for 23 years and she was national guard for most of my, all of my life. Well, she's not now, but for most of my like uh, my growing up she was she went to desert storm she went to the iraqi war i mean there was plenty of times where she was in and out of my life and that mm -hmm. made me more independent and it was a great thing it was a great thing for me right but it didn't allow her the opportunity to be in everything that i do she couldn't be what we'd call quote unquote, a, a helicopter parent right she had to allow me my own space and time to do my own thing because she couldn't she she couldn't be there so um, it may be that it's probably looked down upon nowadays, but back then, eight, nine years old, I was staying at home by myself and that was kind of yeah. the way it was, you know? Um, uh, and she was, uh, she worked for a company called nature aid and she was selling uh, colostrum. So she was off at shows and off doing all different things. So she was, she was very busy, made a great life for us. She made great money. We always had a house. We always had food. It wasn't like I was in a, in a bad place, but she was just not there. And she right. doesn't know anything. She doesn't know anything about sports. So that didn't help. You know, it was, it was, right. I felt, I felt alone all the time. And my father wanted me to play baseball because he played mm -hmm. in the minor leagues and, and that was all he cared about. And then again, not, not to say that my dad is bad whatsoever. He was, he's a great father at what he did, but yes. he wanted me to do something specific and I wasn't willing to do that. So he continually told me I was never going to make it in the basketball world. I was too little. I was too small. I was too this. I was too that. 
And so again, so why it don't put, you play baseball? Yeah. It put it put me on an island where I felt like I was alone. So now I get to care for all the other alone people, all the ones where maybe grandma and grandpa now because something happened to mom and dad. So now there's a kid growing up with grandma and grandpa and they can't connect. They need somebody to care for them on that level, right? Or right. maybe dad and mom aren't uh, they don't like sports or they don't think sports will ever get them anywhere. But the kid is really interested and really wants to try. I can connect with that. So uh, that's my biggest care is that I want to bring someone else joy in the ways that nobody was able to do it for me. Ooh, I love that. So, yes, and, and that's a fantastic way to put it. So we're not saying that our parents don't care about us or our siblings don't care about us or other people that are in those those different levels of circles. But we're talking about specifically caring uh, about the passions, pleasures, excitements, uh, desires, dreams, um, you know, of an individual and, and then uh, caring enough to also impact and make a difference um, in that, in that particular uh, zone of, let's call it zone of expertise um, in this case being sports. So let's hear a little bit about the uh, final four as well. What, what did you do with the final four? You told me a story that was pretty cool about one of the basketball teams um, so I, I love the, about one that you're getting access for, for kids, um, who may have been a little bit late to the event and wouldn't have gotten in otherwise. Oh, man. Um, so there's a lot man. of event management, a lot of event planning going on this. If you're an entrepreneur and you've got, uh, you know, whether it's zoom webinars and registrations you're trying to run, or whether you've got a conference that you're trying to host and facilitate, and you've got badges that have to be distributed and all, all of the things that go with trade show expo, et cetera. Um, you know, Sean got to work and be a part of one of the greatest, most high intense pressure expos um, of our generation, which is the final four. So what was that like? I, and then I did everything you said essentially over <laughs> like a week and a half. So the cool part though, is it was an internship. So I wasn't stuck in any one thing. I worked with a company called Populous, who is kind of oversight over the entire event. So we helped roughly, you know, a thousand different vendors kind of do the, do what they do. Right make sure that they all had their space to do what they were supposed to do so that it could run without a hitch. So our job was just kind of make sure everybody did that. And then we just fill in the gaps, whatever, whatever needed to be helped, we can help. So final four Friday, I was outside. I was doing infill and exfill, helping out all the security teams, helping out the gates, making sure everybody had tickets that they needed, making sure that everybody could uh, essentially just do their job. Our job was necessarily not necessarily to do anything. It was just make sure everybody else could. So um, we had four kids show up. All came from Connecticut is where they said they were coming from. They came to watch UConn play. Or no, they said they came from uh, New York. That's what it was. They came from New York. They were coming to watch UConn play. And they showed up. Oh, man, they probably showed up seven, eight, ten minutes late to the game. And uh, they they get up there and they go through the, the students section and we have no more tickets. We have no more wristbands for for students. So students got oh. to sit down in the bowl and everybody else had to sit up, right? So they're trying to get down into the bowl with this student section. Also, we don't have any tickets to give them if they're students to like go sit up anywhere else because that's all sold out. We have 43,000 people in the building. There's not necessarily space we can just sit somebody, right? So we have to get right. them into the student section. Can't do it. I take it upon myself as a mission to go find these kids something i didn't know what it was going to look like didn't know how late i was going to get them into the game i got them in with probably five minutes left in in the final four friday maybe maybe 10 minutes something like that but i mean they missed the majority of the game just kind of hanging out trying to figure it out 
but that opportunity changed my life to to where I knew I had to work these as they call mega events, right? I have to work these because I saw this this one young lady just the way her her face lit up and and I saw her on championship Monday too. Um, and she was like, I will never forget what you did. I've, I, I, we would never be here. You know, we, we came from New York all the way down to Texas. And when we got here, we thought we were there for nothing. And you, I mean, I ran around for 45 minutes just trying to find somebody. I went to, uh, it, I went everywhere you could possibly go trying to find these little wristbands. (laughs) Turns out us at Populous had more wristbands. We just didn't know we had. And so I was tearing apart the whole Populous off. I mean, it was it was fun, but we finally got them tickets. They went down with like 10 minutes left in the game and uh, they ended up, UConn ended up winning it all. So they won Friday. They got new tickets Lost for Monday. Three. I saw the girls Monday and man, they came up giving the biggest hug. We're taking pictures. With you would me. have been my like, absolute hero. Yeah, dude, I was a celebrity at that point. Right. And, and that changed my whole, my whole demeanor on like why someone would do the things we do because those are 16, 17, 18 hour days. Sometimes I realistically, I think there was final four Friday was probably 17 to 18 hours. And then Monday, just because UConn didn't want to leave their locker room, they were celebrating too hard. We didn't get out until two o'clock in the morning then either. So it was, they're long days. They're hard days to make sure that it goes off without a hitch and everybody gets to see what they're supposed to see. But uh, having those where you get to see players that'll never forget that. And you, 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 talk to people and watch interviews and stuff and all these kids are like i'll, I'll never forget this experience that the players you know even the, even these players that you know they want to be treated special while they're there we'll call them special um they want to be treated really well while they're there these guys will never forget these opportunities and and that's where i want to be i want right. to be in a spot where we can affect people's lives to where they'll, they're never going to forget they'll take that with them wherever they go right absolutely now that uh the experience and the hype on, I mean, anybody who's been to, uh, you know, a new year's event, um, you know, or a 4th of July parade or party that just like got you lit up. Um, you know, that's like scratching the very surface of an event of the magnitude, like you're talking about. Um, and you're talking about extreme first-class service, um, hospitality skills Mm -hmm. at the top levels. Um, and if we were to apply those same types of principles to our businesses, um, you know, and, and we're to show up, you know, making sure we found the wristband, so to speak. What's the wristband for your brand? Uh, what's the wristband, you know, that you can do to help make sure that your prospects get in the door and feel special and understand the value that you place on them? Uh, it would be it would be amazing how much that would transform revenues and growth for all the companies that are out there in their influence. So well said. And I, and I want to touch on something real yeah, quick. I want to say from from the way that Populous treated us while we were there, just as interns, right? We were interning into this. So I worked with everybody, interior teams, exterior teams, all that good stuff, right? But from the second we walked in, Mark Klein, the, the owner, made us feel like we mattered. And mm-hmm. that was one of the biggest things from a company. He gave... Uh, there was three of us interns helping out. He gave each one of us specific actual duties to work with. And I've taken that back to me being a tournament director now and an an assistant general manager. Now I now at all my events, regardless of if it's a 20 team tournament, an 80 team tournament, if I have more venues than one, or if I just have one, I will always wear a suit because I realized at this event, if you are dressed to the nines, if you're dressed better than everybody else, it looks like you're running something. People will ask you questions. They won't 
ask, where is the tournament director? They'll find the guy in the suit and they'll go, hey, do you work here? Are you the tournament director? Are you the guy I'm supposed to talk to? And it's worked out insanely well for me. But it's because people like Mark put faith in in those interns and those lower level people and finding what we're talking about, those wristbands, right? Finding that that value to even the, the smallest person in your business and, and showing them that, hey, you matter and I want to make you better at what you do. Dude, that speaks to some of the principles in the E-Myth. It's one of my favorite business books. Uh, one of the ones I regret not leading, reading sooner than, than later. I had it eight years from my desk um, and the ability to read it. And uh, I just passed over it a couple of times. So many business books are recommended. That is the one book that I wish I had read much, much sooner. So if you haven't read it, definitely get the Audible at least and listen to the Audible. Uh, he talks about how important it is to gamify the process of hiring. Um, and ultimately make it a game experience that you actually put a lot of effort and thought into what are these people going to do? How do the rules work? What's the reward that comes out of it, the experience? And uh, the, the person you're talking about, was it Mark, you said? Mm -hmm. His name, Mark Klein. Um, here he is, uh, already has the game in mind, um, right? He didn't have to pull out a book for it. He's assigning the duties, knowing specifically that, man, I'm, I am gearing these people up, these interns up to own their role to make sure Absolutely. they show up and believe in it. They don't feel like interns. They feel like bosses. They feel like managers. They feel like people who can contribute and give back. So uh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Those are our final words. Uh, Sean, we look forward to having you back in the future. I look forward to having you in my circle continuously. Thank you so much for blessing us with all this information. Vision Pros, have a fantastic evening, and we will see you tomorrow on the next episode. Have a good one, Mark. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate.